Hello and welcome to the big show. This is Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. We're setting out to document those bars that have a seedy backstory and interesting history behind them. But we're not just talking about these places in the quiet confines of some home studio somewhere. Nope. Nope. We are actually visiting these places and recording each episode live on location. In this podcast, we visit the places where bad decisions and future regrets are made so you don't have to. That's right. We're taking one for the team. We're doing it for you guys. Such, Joining me is always... Such a always, sacrifice. It's such a sacrifice, sacrifice yes. we have to make. Yeah, but we're willing to do it. Joining me as always is the man, the myth, the legend, our producer, Bob Trombley. How you doing, Bob? Hey, now I'm good, Brad. Good awesome. to see everybody. Yeah, it is good to see everybody. And of course, my two co-hosts, Lou and Jeremy. How are you two boys doing? Wait, we're doing good. Jeremy. Lou and Jeremy? Really? What's wrong we're with dumbing Lou it down? Sweet motherfucking Lou and Jay, Jay Dizzle, Dizzle, yo. <laughs> well, you keep changing your nickname. Oh, that's true. It was Jay Dank, I think, was the last one you were going by. Yeah. I can't keep track of all this. You guys are Lou and Jeremy to me. All right. Jay Love. Jay Love. Exactly. Jay Wow. Jeremy just flew in from Chicago and. Boy, am I arms. Literally. You literally just got off the plane. Literally. That's his commitment. Came to the plane to the central. Took the light rail, came walking in with his luggage. I cut my trip short. Well, we feel it, man. We feel the love. Well, we've been on a bit of a hiatus as we were between seasons. So we wrapped up season one a couple months ago, and now here we are back with season two. And as we teased before, we are opening this season by consecutively visiting four local bars that each claim to be the oldest drinking establishment in Seattle. Well, which of these four bars truly is the oldest? There can only be one. So we're going to spend the next few episodes, we're going to visit each of these places, we're going to go over their respective histories, and we're going to solve who holds the crown as Seattle's oldest bar. Because that's the kind of guys we are. We're, also, we're going to reveal the Seattle's oldest bar fly. <laughs> we, might, we might even do that, too, along and, the way. And get them on air. And get them yeah. on air. Yeah. Get them on the air. So for this episode, we're here at Central Tavern, which bills itself as the oldest saloon in Seattle. This is our starting point for our uh, journey here. Is it, is it Central Tavern or no. is it Central Right now it's Central Saloon. saloon. There yeah. you go. And we're going to yep. get into, it was the Central Tavern at one point, and then it switched, and we're going to get into that. Saloon just sounds so more historic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, especially I here think. in Pioneer Square. So like much of Pioneer Square, the Central Saloon was born from the ashes of the Great Seattle Fire of 1889. After the historic fire wiped out much of the city's wooden buildings, the city's planners decided to rebuild the area in brick, and in 1892, this place first opened as a restaurant known as the Watson Brothers Famous Restaurant. Is it Doc Watson? Uh, No, Thomas Watson. The no Watson relation. brothers. No relation. But no I like relation. how they just, oh, right out of the gate, declared themselves to be famous. Yeah. The Watson <laughs> brothers' famous restaurant. I wonder nice. if there's any relation to Emmett Watson. I don't know. That's no a good relation. question. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so it operated as the Watson brothers' famous restaurant for about nine years. When its owner, Thomas Watson, sold the business to two men with the last names Jameson and McFarland. Mm. And they renamed the place the Seattle Bar. Which, catchy, yeah. I know from yeah, very creative. from yeah the Watson Brothers' famous restaurant to the Seattle Bar. <laughs> yeah, from flashy to pretty uh, mundane. So it operated under this name, the Seattle Bar, for quite a while, and was of course this was of course during the gold rush years. So its main clientele was miners, loggers, sailors, and various outdoorsmen. In 1907, Jameson and McFarland would sell the Seattle Bar and open a second place a block away known as the J&M yeah, Hotel and Saloon. Yeah. So J&M, Jameson, McFarland. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And right next to us, it's still known as the J&M Hotel, the sign's still, still out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So that's who it was, Jameson. temporarily closed, so... Are they temporarily closed? Just hopefully we'll reopen at some point. Yeah. Uh, in 1919, it changed ownership again and became the Central Cafe. So this was during Washington State Prohibition, and it was right before the beginning of National Prohibition, so it's unknown if they secretly sold booze or not. Probably, (laughs) the chances are high, uh, but they couldn't do it openly. 
It operated as the Central Cafe until sometime in the mid-50s when it became known as the Central Cafe and Tavern. Mm. And by the 60s, the cafe part had dropped off, and it was simply known as the Central Tavern. So it's a bit murky when exactly uh, this place switched over from being a restaurant that ser- happened to serve beer and wine to being a bar, right? It's, it's kind of yeah. unknown. It's, there's Gray no, area. like, specific date where it became a bar like the transition might have happened before the name change yeah because right? like yeah. You know, the owners it's just like well shit we're not making money on food <laughs> like, why let's bother? start selling just booze mm-hmm. what is known is that it operated as a central tavern until it obtained a hard liquor license in 1990 at which point it became the central saloon uh-huh. you were asking about that just a little bit ago jeremy mm-hmm. interestingly back in 1965 an old moonshine still was found in the basement of the central wow. here, and apparently they were able to date the still back to 1925. Oh, nice. So this leads me to believe that during Prohibition, the Central Cafe, you know, on the outside they were op- operating as a restaurant, but they were secretly adding fuel to people's drinks yeah, on the down low. I'm curious, how, how did they date it? Was it like signed at the bottom, like well, there's Sharpie probably Barker, like a manufacturer's five or something. There's probably a manufacturer's. Uh, stamp somewhere on it, and they were I'm able sorry. to piece of machine. I assume. Yeah. That's usually they how sent they it down stuff. to the crime lab. They uh, <laughs> took some samples. Yep. Yeah. November 1925. Yeah, there's probably some label somewhere. Uh, by the late 1960s, Pioneer Square had become a very derelict place, and the central here had also become derelict and fell into a very deep state of neglect and disrepair. So it was like a dive bar in the truest sense back then. Things began changing in 1970, though, when Pioneer Square was declared a National Historic District, which in turn prompted a round of renovations in this whole neighborhood here. Inspired by these preservation efforts, two Boeing engineers, which included a guy named Bobby Foster, decided to buy the Central in 1971 with the express intent of restoring it back to its original luster. And that's what they did. So they like completely restored this place transformed it into a popular watering hole that attracted all sorts of colorful characters. Everyone from uh, important Seattle politicians, including the mayor and his staff, to uh, local eccentrics. One of the most colorful patrons of the newly renovated and popular Central Tavern was a guy by the name of J.J. Freeman, who everyone called Tiny Freeman as he was six and a half feet tall and weighed over 300 pounds. He was known as a humongous man with a humongous personality and a humongous beard. And we, we actually just pulled up a picture of this. Yeah, team. so you, he, you want to show these guys a we, picture? We, maybe we'll put that on the Instagram or something. We will. So th- this guy you know, totally looks, he looks like a like dude you'd want to have a beer with. Jerry exactly. Garcia. Totally. He looks yeah. like Jerry Garcia without the heroin problem. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> this guy looks like the a rainier yeah. problem. Nice. And he's hanging out with either A, his mother, or B, his wife. Well... Tiny worked on tugboats from Seattle to Alaska, as well as being a truck driver and a train engineer. He was also a DJ for Seattle radio station Crab, that's (laughs) K-R-A-B 107.7. So before the end... It was K-R-A-B? Crab. I got crabs at 107.7. They played bluegrass and jazz music. He's a train engineer slash DJ. And truck driver. tugboat operator. And tugboat. That's so yeah. Seattle. Yeah. That's there so he is. Seattle. That guy you would definitely want to have a beer with. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this doesn't do anything for the listeners, but we will share the picture of him because he, he looks like a character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Crab operated out of an old donut shop in the U District, and Freeman was one of the station's most popular DJs. He also played in a Diz- Dixieland jazz band. So all of this gives you an idea of who this J.J. Freeman guy is. The Renaissance man. Kind of, yeah. He just did. Pretty damn eclectic. Did what he wanted. Yeah. 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 Jack of all Gabbled trades. in a little bit of stuff. Yeah. 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 He's probably good at all of it. You yeah. Know. His oil paintings are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kicks your ass in pool. Probably. Might darts. just kick your ass. <laughs> and he could probably. Definitely. Something about him definitely tells me he'd be really good at darts. Yeah. yeah I could oh. see that. In 1972, Freeman decided to run for U.S. Congress as a Republican and use the Central Tavern as his headquarters. Oh. On election day, he managed to get 20,000 votes, but ultimately lost against the incumbent challenger, Brock Adams. Uh, during his campaign, Freeman had a bunch of tiny Freeman for Congress shirts made, uh, and they're still like a collector's item. They're, yeah. they're really hard to find, but every now and then one pops Have up you, and he gets uh, top dollar. Are they on your radar? 
uh, I wouldn't buy one necessarily for myself, but I've seen them at estate sales and stuff before, and they're they like they go for you know hundred two hundred dollars. Couple hundred. Wow. Yeah, they're really cool shirts though. So. Fast forward a couple, uh, about five years, 1977, Bobby Foster, one of the guys that owned this place, again, he was one of the Boeing engineers that renovated this place, decided to organize the area's first Mardi Gras style Fat Tuesday. Oh yeah, Fat Tuesday is in Pioneer Square. That was a yeah. big thing. So the, the guy that owned this, he's the guy that kind of organized the first one. And again, oh, this nice. was in when 77, was 1977. I guess the first one was just a blast, and it was super popular, and it even featured the first running of the Rainiers. With those infamous photos. With infamous photos. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the running of the Rainiers, it was kind of a spoof of the running of the bulls in Spain. But instead of bulls, it was these life-size Rainiers with legs. And they so would two run guys in a beer costume? Yeah. life-size Rainier. Like a Rainier beer bottle with legs, but imagine it being life size. So, yeah, like, life remember, size, like, like what Lou six said. Six inches it. tall? Remember at Targi's, no, they, they had a picture of it, and it was. Life of what? Life of a beer bottle? It's a no, bottle with legs. It was legs. a costume. It was yeah. a beer bottle with legs. So, guys would, it was like a costume, and guys would get into it. Like the Ivers clam when they got the clam. Yeah, people. yeah, okay. exactly. All right. And then they yeah. would run. And the one in Pioneer Square for the first Fat Tuesday, there was about a dozen of these Rainier beers. And they ran through the crowd, and everyone's cheering. Well, and according to my friend Jerry, he said there was a whole bunch of, they brought just like cases upon cases of beer. And Jerry said, I think he was a senior in high what? school, and him and all of his friends too? came down, and then they, everyone just got loaded. <laughs> nice. it, was, it was just a raucous event. Yeah. yeah. Fat Tuesday? Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'm pretty sure they got too. footage right. of this first running of the Rainiers here in Pioneer Square, and... Um, yeah, and we're watching it right now. You can check it out on YouTube. We'll yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll put a link to that. Yep. So you've got a local uh, TV newscaster going, I'm here live at Pioneer Square for yeah. the running of the Rainier Bulls. <laughs> and this, and it, a bunch of drunk people are pushing me Look over. how fun it would look <laughs> just being back there. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, 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 here they come. Almost got killed. <laughs> look, looks like we're someone live. <laughs> got shot. Oh, here they yeah. come. There you go, Jeremy. Nice. <laughs> And I think they even made that into a commercial, but that is awesome. Yeah. I wish I could have been back yeah. there. Rain. Like that was like super, Beer. super hot, like well into the 80s, right? Beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sadly, in 1979, Bobby Foster died, I, I believe from cancer, and the Central Tavern once again switched owners, at which point they started hosting live music, and it became a popular live music venue throughout the 1980s into this the was 90s. 79? Yeah, in 79, he died probably. And then 1980 or so, they sold it to new, new owners. Order kicked and off they, the music. And then they started doing live music. And then Kaja Gugu played here and having <laughs> the ants. And, uh, so it served as uh, one of the top night spots for a growing number of local rock bands that all shared a distinctive Seattle sound. These included such bands as Mother Lovebone, Allison Chains, The Melvins, and Soundgarden. Uh, while this music scene was brewing, a local record label known as Sub Pop that we all know had formed, and its two co-founders caught a show here at the Central in which they saw a new up-and-coming band known as Nirvana play a really good set. In fact, by the way, Nirvana's first-ever Seattle show was played here at the Central. Nice. Yeah. From this initial meeting, Sub Pop formed a relationship with Nirvana and eventually released the band's first record. So for this reason, the Central has often been bestowed with being the birthplace of grunge. You know, I'm sure it can be argued if it truly is the birthplace of grunge, but it certainly played a key role in its development. In 1992, the Central celebrated its 100th birthday, and Washington State Governor Booth Gardner declared the day as being Central Day, which is kind of cool. The bar actually had its own day. Nice. How long cool. did that stick around? So that's pretty cool. Central, that was just a one-day thing. It was on, on its birthday in 1992, he declared it a okay, Central Okay, so it wasn't day. like an annual thing. Right? Oh, so in yeah. 2092, day, every year. Party yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Now, For interesting. The so the bar is also known by local ghost hunters as being one of the main hubs of Seattle paranormal activity. Ooh. There have been many, 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 many ghost sightings here over the years. Wait, wait what? Lots of old miners and prostitutes from the gold rush days. And supposedly, there's even grunge ghosts from the 90s. That's what people say. Really? Andrew that, Woods That here? recent. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, imagine a grunge ghost suddenly well, popping. I, I, I think like, ghosts well, are kind of like dive bars. It, what qualifies as a... How old does it have to be to be... I don't a, know. And is... Would a grunge ghost be as scary as, like, 
some old ghost in Victorian clothes, is, or you like, know, like Kurt still haunting around the joint. I don't know. They just grunge ghosts. It very well could be. Well, it is a bar, so a lot of things that are seen after you get hammered here are attributed to being ghosts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was probably just his friend trying to pick him up off the floor. Well, the most (laughs) famous ghost here... I saw the ghost of Kurt Cobain last night at the Central. No, that was me. Get your heads off me, Spectre. (laughs) Well, the most famous ghost... As according to some, have been repeated sightings of the ghost of Jimi Hendrix. No way. Because he supposedly came here during his early days. This is one of his places he would hang out sometimes. Yeah, a local haunt, yeah. He said to occasionally appear on stage, his transparent silhouette rocking the guitar for a few split seconds before the main act. He's also been spotted in the crowd during busy nights as if to check out the modern day talent. Wow. <laughs> Those who spot him say that he smirks when recognized and vanishes shortly afterwards. But let's break this down for a second. Okay? So, Jimi Hendrix died in 1970 in London, over in the UK. So, when he died, why would his ghost come back here to the Central? Because you don't know. I mean, the ghosts can go any, yeah. anywhere they want, right? They don't have to be, they're not anchored to where they die. He doesn't have right? to get on a fucking boat. He just. He, the ghost but why would he come, come like here? Come like, home. he played at he, Woodstock. He played at uh, he has all the place, top man. places. He has some affinity. Yeah, because right? yeah. Some affinity Woodstock was place. a pop up. There's nothing there. You want to go stand on some dude's farmland? Yeah. Well, I was thinking this is yeah, his home. Maybe he liked to come hang out. You'd want to come here? He dug this joint. Yeah. He grew up in the CD. He just had a fond memories here. Keep, keep, keep so you guys back. think because it's still here as a venue, that's why he comes here, well, as no, opposed to Woodstock? I, I think it's. I think it's because he dug this joint. Yeah, I'm with Jeremy. Yeah. I think he had an yeah. affinity. Okay, let me so let me ask here. you this, Jeremy. Let's say you die right now. Okay. You turn into a ghost. You're you're Jeremy ghost. Yep. You can go anywhere as a ghost. You can go anywhere that you've been in your life. Where would you go? Would you go to some bar that you <laughs> frequented in your college days, or would you go? Where would you go? Where would Short Jeremy answer, Ghost go? Yes. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Okay. I would haunt the places that were that, that were had really good memories. Like places that I really enjoyed going to. Yeah. Like some fucking dive bars and some you know shitty water holes in college yeah. and stuff. Yeah. stuff. You know. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I mean, like if you like you said, if you could go anywhere that you want, wouldn't you want to go places that, that like, you knew were cool and you hung out with and had a good that time? That you enjoyed. Yeah, like, yeah. With yeah. your the living. Yeah. Right, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where would, would you I'd go, come Brad? Back here? If you had a chip choice. If you were Ghost Brad, this is Ghost Brad. Yeah, where, where would Ghost Brad? Or Ghost haunt? Stash Panda, maybe. Ghost Stash Panda. <laughs> ghost where, Stash Panda. Where does That's the Ghost of Stash Panda haunt? I don't know. Maybe it, it would be here in Seattle for sure, because this is like you know my home. So yeah, yeah maybe like the old places I used to visit. Maybe uh-huh. maybe you guys are onto something. Uh huh. Maybe I stand corrected. I'd go to Woodstock. You would? Yeah, just you stand like in the fields? middle of the field. They'd be like, who is this fucking guy that came Woodstock 99? And the other ghosts would be like, even Jimi Hendrix doesn't come here, man. What are you yeah, doing? Exactly. You're wasting your time. Harvest it's it and they will come. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so Jimmy. You can I heard this is a fun see, place see to go. Down here. Where's the concert? Okay. For all of eternity. But you can only go like wherever you've been in your life. So have you been to Woodstock? Have you been to that? Okay, so that boom. Oh yeah, so you can't you can't be a, a ghost tourist. You no, never did the brown. Yeah, where where would it's you only, go? Yeah, it's only places you actually bear. Uh, I'd come here and fucking hang out with Jimmy. That's what <laughs> hey, I'd do. Oh yeah. What about Bob? What about you, Bob? Where would you go? I'd probably go to Pacific Beach. Pacific just Beach. Just kind of walk up and down the coast. So you just keep it nature. Yeah. You wouldn't like go to a house or spook a family or anything. Uh, I go to my ex girlfriend's house. Just go out in nature, just on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Davy Jones locker kind of vibe going on there. <laughs> like yeah, I might the beach do, and shit. Yeah, get like me like some like weird uh, yeah harbor where it comes in where like people like used to smuggle stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably hang out there. Yeah, yeah. Scarrow I like to kids. hang out there in the living. So why wouldn't I like to hang out there when I'm not? You know? mm-hmm. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So overall, the history of the Central is a reflection of the city itself, starting with its origins following the Great Seattle Fire of 18, 1889. And up through the late 80s, early 90s, when many of the local bands that had had their start here at the Central would transform the world of music. It's a testament to all the socioeconomic cycles that Seattle has experienced over the past century. And I suspect that there are still more epic Central stories waiting to be told in the future. Mm -hmm. So with that, what do you guys think about the, uh, the history here? 
It's deep, there's man. A, there's a lot to unpack there, man. There's a lot oh, to my unpack. gosh. There is, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think 120 years? Is that what we're talking? Uh, yeah. The sign right there says uh, uh, 1892. Yeah, 1892, because in 1992, yeah. was their, that was their birthday. That so, would make yeah. sense then, yeah. And there's a wall that we're sitting next to. We're at a table at the back, and they've... Uh, immortalized a lot of the show posters yeah, from adorned with all posters. the flyers, the, sh- the, band the flyers, flyers that, from the shows that happened collection. here. I moved here yeah, in '95. I didn't see any of this shit. But <laughs> well, this there's like what Allison. Well, Chains, that movement had already come and gone. Garden, that no yeah. means no. The Melvins. Yeah. Um, Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone. All the legendary Seattle bands. Surfers. Yep. Sonic Youth. Bikini Kill. Like all these people played here. Every time I came here, it was like. A blues cover band. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just missed Allison Chain. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. They just did a great set. And that was like, well, 95, you'd, you'd go see all these people in a stadium. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. And, uh, but it is wild to think about Mother Love Bone being on the stage or some band like that. Just yeah. being, you know, seeing so them here in the super Soundgarden going up, you know, testing out some new material up on the stage there. Yep. Seeing yep. how it flies to the crowd. Yeah, I like it. And what they don't tell you, though, is, like, the sound kind of sucks in here. It's not acoustically well, it's sound. It's a small place, it, yeah. It's a long, is, yeah. it's long, it's narrow, it's super loud next to the stage. And at the back, you just get, like, mid-ranges bouncing off the thing. Yeah, but there's a different <laughs> mode buttons on it, like arena, whatever. Put uh-huh. it on, like, hall, uh-huh. and it's, like, echoey <laughs> as fuck. And you're just like, wow, this sounds like shit. It's kind of like... I love the topical reference, oh, Jeremy. That's brilliant. That's exactly... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to go back to arena. What it sounds <laughs> like. The hall didn't sound good. <laughs> oh, jazz club. Let's try that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you undersold it, Lubit, because the we are looking up in awe at a epic, epic collection yeah. of um, rock bill posters. Just, just, yeah. No, it's and almost like a music, a Seattle music museum. Like, you know, it's an homage, uh, yeah. And you gotta love the pricing, too. Like, it, here's a show. Sa- Soundgarden was the opening band for Red Cross. Yeah, yeah. And it was, if you wanted to buy the tickets in advance, they were $6.50. <laughs> if you waited to buy them at the door... Eight bucks. Yeah, you save yeah. yourself a buck and a half. <laughs> well, do you remember bitching like when concert tickets got up in like the thirty dollar range? Yeah. Like, oh my god, they're fleecing us. Thirty dollars. Now, now like three hundred dollar range. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, can't blame them. You don't make any money off. Didn't of you guys records, see Paul so. McCartney speaking yeah. of a local shows? And yeah, I, I tried to get Red Cross tickets <laughs> and like, oh my god. Well, you know who's playing tonight at the Paramount is uh, the Bauhaus, the original lineup, the Bauhaus. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Let's go. What are we doing here? <laughs> I know, right? Can we record live there? <laughs> yeah. Will, will they let us do that? I'm Between sure. uh, Bella Lugosi's dead, I'm maybe? sure it'd be fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it'd be fine. Maybe we could be the opening act, do our podcast from the stage. I'm sure the, the goth crowd would love us. Next season. Yeah, next, ne- <laughs> next season. We'll work on that one. Nice. <laughs> well, anyway, so, yeah, quite the history here. And, Mr. Jeremy, do you want to lead us into our next segment what you drinking yeah, yeah for sure so i norm so when we come to a, a dive bar one thing i like to do is go up to the bar take a l- couple of little snapshot pictures of what they're serving right the tap so line get, like, the tap handles and you know maybe get a, a little snap of uh what kind of liquor they have if they have hard liquor or if they're not a hard liquor place you know whatever so just so we can kind of talk about the selection. Uh, my camera's dead, so I'm not going to do that. So, and, and I'm not going to post shit on like the Instagram or whatever. But I can, I can still see the bar from where I'm sitting. It's not too, too crowded in here or whatever. Um, nice, good selection of beers, right? And when I first popped in, Brad, you had mentioned they had not one, not two, but three uh, sea pine yeah. beers. And I don't know if you remember last season... Yep. Well, you guys can remember where were we? Where they had? I think it was three Georgetown. Was it? Was it Slims? Was it, were they the I ones that was. had it? I think yeah, it was. Slims right? is yeah. the Georgetown. I was bar. Say just yeah. because they're a block of, yeah. away from the exactly. brewery. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it, lo- local 
dive bar supporting the local microbrews, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, similar thing we got going on with the Central here. Um, although, I mean, you know, Sea Pine's not literally a block away like Georgetown is from uh, Slim's, but that's that's okay. We'll give them a pass. So I love Sea Pine. Uh, a quick little story. So what I'm drinking, Sea Pine Citra IPA, which is excellent. Hazy. Looks super hazy. Hazy yeah. IPA, which is, we talked about this a couple episodes before, uh, back Definitely the popular beer style, right? Yeah. Now. Hazy yeah. IPAs are hot, hot, hot. Although, you mentioned just came back from Chicago. I couldn't find a fucking hazy IPA to save my life in Chicago. I barely found IPAs in Chicago. Really? Really? I would have figured they'd be What are they drinking in Chicago? Uh, drinking a lot of pales. It's a lot of pale ales. Uh, a lot of lo- local stuff, which is cool. I love going, you know, to check out the local shit there. Had like some Lagunitas and stuff like that, which is, you know. Oh, like, yeah more nationally uh, distributed but still a local Chicago beer but not a lot of IPAs and like almost no hazies and like single uh, single hops and the and the um, the juices and, and shit like that so it seems to be kind of a, a northwest phenomenon huh. which is fine by me because yeah. I'm loving it I'm loving it. yeah that's good to get a little national perspective on it I thought uh you thought it was just the ubiquitous and everywhere? The IPAs were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks to be more, more regional. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually a good thing that each place has its own preferred beers, and that, that it's not just the same everywhere. Regional, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It seems like Chai Town's still a little little on the lager Pilsner style, a little bit on the light well, They're beers. a working class yeah. town. Well, yeah, yeah and that's because... Yeah, you grow up with that. It's mm-hmm. like... Uh, mm-hmm. Bunch of bunch of girl drinkers there, where they're like, "Hey, this APA is too bitter. It's too hoppy. It's too heavy." Whereas in Seattle, we're Way like to conditioned through. There, yeah, fuck but I'm I'm kind we're, of hearing we're conditioned to yeah. drink the good stuff. It's all stuff. about yeah, stretching it out. Yeah, That's right. I'm kind of buddy. hearing a uh, backlash against IPAs though, just because they've been everywhere all the time, and that's all you can find. You well, know, that's like, just a lot here, of complaints though. about people going to bars and like, do you serve anything else other than IPAs? Well, no, I like IPAs. Yeah, the way, right? Yeah. Yep. yep, true. You serve them one, and they're just going to blow their fucking mind, and they're going to be like, whoa, why have I been drinking this swill when I could have been drinking <laughs> more, this? More like what you said earlier, like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, bitter beer. <laughs> Some people just don't like IPAs, though, believe it or not. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to crawl under the table and take a What nap. do you guys think about the Big Ballard uh, IPA you guys ever get? I love that. that. Yeah, it, Red yeah, Hook, that's a good Big one. Ballard. I mean, that's a real IPA. It's an IPA's IPA. Yeah. It's, it's a, a, yeah. like an 8-2, and yeah. it's uh, one of the originals. Yeah, yeah that's originals. right. Yeah. Or Northwest style. Northwest yep, style, yeah. For sure. Uh, and other shit that's on tap. Uh, so we talked about the Sea Pine. Sea Pine. Quick little story about Sea Pine. I visited them uh, way back in the day, pretty soon after they opened. I don't even remember what year it was, but I, I do remember uh, I, I rode my bike there. They were right off the original, shoreline. Uh, yeah, yeah. The original <laughs> brewery was uh, right off of um, a, a kind of a cool little uh, cycle path. Or interurban. You know, I had to wind through yeah. some st- st- uh, streets and shit there. But rode my bike there with a buddy and uh, didn't even know that Sea Pine was there. Just just basically randomly stumbled upon him like, oh, hey, brewery, cool. Let's, let's see if they're open. Oh, hey, they're open. Let's Quench go grab a thirst. beer. Yeah. Three hours later, we were absolutely shit-faced trying to and ride And you had to bikes. ride your bike back oh, to Shoreline? Oh, my God. And it was... <laughs> That was whoop, the longest whoop, whoop. fucking ride ever. <laughs> but I, I, I only remember, like, small little bits of it. But You uh, made it home I, in one piece, though. Apparently. apparently. Yeah, yeah I have, apparently I can live to tell the tale. But that was, it was a, a, a very fun day. Very fun yeah. day. For our uh, listeners who aren't from here, Shoreline is uh, 20 minutes on the freeway in a car. On a good day. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> what was it on the bike? What was that, like a couple hours and a drunk yeah, bike? Three hours? Yeah, it was a few, yeah, it was a few hours. Three-hour yeah. tour. yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was a few hours, but uh, yeah, me and my buddy were on, were on a big. We were gonna do um, do the, the Lake Washington Loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, yeah, we, yeah. then we hit the brewery and we're like, "Well, fuck that. Let's just drink and go home." <laughs> and <laughs> then it ended up being suddenly even more the fun. plans changed. <laughs> that's right. Veteran move. Yeah, it was great. Good time. Nice. So, just real quick, some other shit that's on tap. Um, they have a Fremont Dark Star, which probably nobody recognizes listening to this podcast episode right now, but. For local Seattle folks, an epic, very famous beer, limited release, super expensive, 
very hard to find. Super, super limited release. You gotta like know somebody to get what, cakes What kind of beer shit, is that? So. Yeah, what kind uh, of beer? It's a. I it's a dark, say right? A stout. Okay. I believe in and all about. I think I think all the dark stars are uh, barrel aged okay. stuff from Fremont. Um, comes out once a year. Um, great selling beer. Awesome, good stuff. Great to see it on tap because, like I said, you gotta kind of know somebody to get a yeah. keg of that shit. So pretty cool. Gotta to see be connected. That on tap. And uh, we got some some staples. I think we got like a Miller. I see like a Sky Kraken over there. So just like we talked about last season, you can't throw a rock in even the diviest of dive bars, and Seattle's going to have a pretty awesome beer selection. Yeah. So God bless America. Nice. So are you recommending we have a uh, Dark Star for round two? Oh, hell yeah. Really? Yeah. What's the ABV on that? About 9%. Okay. It's delicious. All right. Maybe we share one (laughs) (laughs) since we're driving. But it does sound good. You kind of you did kind of sell me on that. And nice, Lou. Are you pretty much had the same thing, right? Or you just get something different? What'd you uh, drink, I got man? the Sea Pine IPA. Oh, uh, yeah, same as right. you. Yeah, for sure. All right. How about you, Brad? Man, what were you drinking? I had the Sea Pine Pilsner, so we were all okay. rocking Sea Pine, oh, and uh, I'm ready to slow. go for uh, round two here. Yeah, and I think the third Sea Pine on tap was their Hefeweizen, which yep. is also very, very good. Nice. Yeah, little uh, a little less popular style these days, the Hefeweizens, but still one of my personal favorites, so I might get that. Yeah. While we're on uh, what we're drinking, can I give a plug for the thing I uh, texted you folks about the other night, the oh. beer I just found? Oh, yeah. Juice Force IPA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, New Belgium. Juice Force. <laughs> yeah. New Belgium. Juice Force IPA is a 9.5% IPA, so Oof. it's basically a barley wine. And it tastes like a fucking California it's like cooler. A, it's like a double IPA. It's like a double IPA. Now, and when it, you say it tastes it t- like a California cooler, you mean it just goes down smooth it, like one? No, I mean, or it, actually- it, it tastes way? like a soft drink. I don't huh. know how they do it. Jeremy, you need to look into it and <laughs> tell me how they're cheating. I don't know how they got this much alcohol. Juice Force yeah. IPA. Packed with uh, Satan. Voodoo Ranger. Mm-hmm. And the Voodoo Ranger, the regular IPA, is oh. kind of a... Uh, it's kind of a blunt force object to deliver alcohol, but yeah, it's okay. Not, not yeah, it's not amazing, but yeah. nice. That's an old school, old school uh, graphic style that they've been doing. For that is years a cool graphic, years. though. Yeah, and he's wearing Jimi Hendrix's. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, they, they do a whole series of the Voodoo Ranger. They came out with the Voodoo Ranger years ago and had the little, you know, uh, skeleton guy as their little mascot or whatever. And then they've done probably dozens of different versions of Voodoo Ranger over the years. I have not tried the Juice Force, though. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. It's you, weird. You uh, piqued my curiosity I'm, on that. I'm serious. It's it, Girl Drink Drunk, mm. what you talked about. Okay. Nobody likes IPAs. This one, you could pass it off at a sorority party. And they'd be like, but is it some kind of weird, good. like, malt? Beverage like, type, like thing. White Claw, good. Yeah, yeah, l- okay. literally. All right. Okay. White Claw, Bartles and James, California Cooler. Now you're showing your age, Lou. Zima. Now you're really showing your age, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they got that much huh. juicy flavor out of a beer. Right, on on that, that note, that, that high octane. Let's get round two. Come back for a bit. All right. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's come back and talk about where we're at. Sounds good. All right, we're back after round two, right? Yes, we are. Brad? What what did almost all of us get for round two? <laughs> Pretty I think you much sold the us same. On the, uh, uh, wait, no, that's uh, who's is that? That's Brad's. Oh my God, did somebody else drink somebody's beer? What he the got the citrus. I got the uh, dark star. There we go. And uh, good old sea pine citra oh, IPA. Which you we weren't kidding, about. damn, Jeremy. It's delicious. Fremont Dark Star on draft. Which hell yeah! And tell us, yeah. uh, tell the listeners at home what you got sitting at, at your house in the in the cellar. Well, yeah, the the, the Fremont Dark Stars has been uh, it's an annual release from Fremont Brewing, and I don't know when they started Dark Star, but ever since they started releasing, it's a it's a a, a stout. Uh, a barrel-aged stout, and it's amazing. So when they first released it, pe- people went ape shit, and they only do very limited releases once, once uh, you know, once a year. And I've got a couple of bottles from like 2016. I might even have like a 2015 or something around there, which is noteworthy because it's one of the few beers that, that, that ages pretty well. Like you can keep it in a bomber bottle. 
keep it dark and I was cold just going to ask the, you about that. Yeah, you know, they call it cellaring, right? Like yeah. Cellaring a beer. There, there aren't many beers that are good to do that with because generally speaking, you want you know fresh beer. The fresher, the better, right? Yeah. Like fresh right. beer is the way and to go. The yeast gets right? a little funky. But there yeah. are a few styles of beers, especially like barrel aged, for example, especially darker beers like a, a like a stout that tend to age pretty well. Okay. And you could do what they call bottle conditioning, right? You keep it in the bottle, keep it cold and like dark, whatever. Yeah. And over time, it just gets better and better. It mellows, you know, the flavors kind of like develop and blossom or whatever. So Dark Star is one of those one of those beers that's kind of notorious for that. It's like, you know, it, it's, a, it's like a wine. It's like, oh, you have a Chateau de blah, 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 blah. Vintage. You know, <laughs> a, a 1980s. Oh, 87 was way better than the 86 yeah. and the blah, 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 right? It, 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 the Dark Star is kind of like that. It's okay. like people really cool. covet certain years of the Dark Star releases. I don't know like, I, I'm not smart enough to know, like, which year's, like, oh, my God, you have to have a blah, 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 which yeah. year. But I've got a 2016, I've got a 2019, a 2020, and maybe one other year. I can't remember. And how long are you going to save those for? Have you, have you well, that's the thing. It's like, figured that out yet? It, 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 that, that's, that's the conundrum. It's like, okay, I know, like, the longer I let it sit, the more it mellows and matures, right? But on the other hand, it's fucking good beer. I want to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So, you know, I don't know. And then, and, you know, the joke is like, oh, well, for a special occasion, you know, like Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you have to All keep right. it in a, a fridge? No. No, I'm okay. just okay. Like a dark there's, not, there's nothing wrong with that, but you, you really don't have to. There's a, some some beers, so uh, lighter beers that age, which is yeah. pretty rare. Yeah. Generally, you want to refrigerate those. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a darker beer, um, like the Dark Star, don't need to necessarily need to refrigerate. And I'm sure some people are gonna like freak out and <laughs> right <laughs> in. Yeah. You'll know, be all pissed off. Whatever. I wonder but if like I don't sh- think you need to refrigerate. Like a Schmey yeah. or Schmey or whatever those yeah. beers. Yeah. If, if those yeah. could be like cellared just because of the. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good, good point. Like Belgian the Schmey Sh- Blue. Yeah. yeah. Um, is a good another. Those are good triples, right? Beer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some of the Belgian styles, absolutely yeah. good for cellaring for Word. sure. Yeah. Good, good example. Nice. All right. So let's talk about where we're at. Yeah. Where are we, Brad? Where are we again? We are in Pioneer Square. We're in Pioneer Square, <laughs> the place where uh, all the streets are named after, right? It's like uh, Yesler, Danny, yep. Boren, Maynard. Doc Maynard, like First all Avenue. The, it's all the OGs. Oh, Mr. First Avenue. Yeah, OGs. All the OGs. And in this episode, we'll just talk about the general vibe and the flavor of Pioneer Square. Oh, there's a lot of flavor. There's, there's, there's yeah. mad flavor. And uh, we'll talk and about a lot of urine. Now it's <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the flavor, yes. How it's changed since I first got here in '95. So when I first got here in '95, and I was talking to the locals, I would say, "Hey, where's a fun place to go on a Friday night?" And most all the responses were, "Oh, go to Pioneer Square." Sure. Same question today. You'd say, "Oh, go to Capitol Hill, go to Belltown, go to Fremont, go to Ballard." Before you get yeah. to Pioneer Square, right? You want to have a really good time, of course, you head up north to Shoreline. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so now the bars here are more, and I mean, it's kind of sad, but give me a head count, Jeremy. How many people are here? Oh, seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, including do you, us. <laughs> do you think that's changed since the start of COVID, though? Like, I wonder if COVID had an impact on that. Uh, no, it yeah. started a while ago. Now well, Pioneer Square is more like a happy. Oh, I bet, Bob, I was gonna, what do you got? I, the reason I butt in because I bet like COVID did come into play because you probably had some people getting off after work who might populate the bar yeah. or, or even just more yeah, of a, sure. more folks in the neighborhood in general. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of employment in this neighborhood as well that yeah. just ceased for COVID. Right? There's there right. Were, came back. There's like some startups and shit, and there yeah. was. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of tech that's like kind of dabbled in in this neighborhood too, and, and all that stuff was work from home. <laughs> but you're oh, right totally. though; it was it was more lively. Like I would say back in the '90s, early 2000s, like it was Friday, Saturday nights. This place was jumping. Oh, Even for sure. There was a lot more businesses down here too than there are now. Like the bookstore. Um, Elliott Bay. Elliott Bay, thank you. Elliott Bay used to be down here. Remember the old Elliott oh, Bay? That was like sure. such an awesome bookstore. Now they're up on Capitol Hill, but there was more of that back in the day. That's right. That's now changed. it's more like a place to come for happy hour for people that work here yeah. or for like uh, pre-funk for uh, Mariners yeah, or Seahawks or yeah, a Sounders true. game. Yeah. Like, but back in the 90s, do you guys remember the uh, joint cover charge? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I do. Yeah. All right. Yeah, what do you guys? Deal. What do you guys explain to me the joint cover charge? 
Well, it's just as it sounds. Basically, you know, they I think it was like 12, 15 bucks or whatever it was back then. It wasn't much. Eight, and uh, I don't remember if they would give you, would they give you a wristband? No, yeah. it was yeah, just a purple your, stamp. Was it a, just a yeah. stamp? It was a stamp. That's right. Wow. It was just a stamp. And you could go to all the the places, the Central, J&M, Phoenix uh, Underground. Mayors, the Phoenix yep. Underground. No, Phoenix Underground is not part of it. Oh, sorry. It wasn't? <laughs> nope. Are you sure? They were yeah. all I could have swore. No, I they weren't. But, uh, <laughs> wow. But, yeah, you're right. But you're, there were, it was really down here, though. Joint cover. Yeah. I, I do know my wow. joint cover charge. So, oh, yeah, yeah, there was like seven to ten bars that would participate in and it. And most of them had live music. You and, come in. yeah, it was all live music in the 90s. This was not a dance club town. Yeah. And so all these bars had uh, live bands, and you'd pay... It was the ultimate pub crawl. 10, 12, yeah, 20 yeah. bucks as it went up over the years. But you could get into all these bars for one joint cover yeah and it wasn't seven killer bands you wouldn't go to one place and see Soundgarden and one place and see Mother Love Bone and one place and see Alice no that Chains. era had already come and gone yeah that had come and gone but you would see like one place might just have a couple old timers on acoustic guitars uh, strumming jambalaya <laughs> yeah you know, groups like that even like you said even though it was kind of past the, the peak especially for grunge and so forth you could still like randomly stumble across like an unbuilt band that would come and play. Like I remember going and to blow the your OK mind. Hotel. Absolutely, me too. Not part of the joint cover. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And and uh, random show that popped up was uh, in Living Color. Nice. Yeah. You saw in Living Color at OK Hotel. <laughs> yeah, and it was not <laughs> on the bill. They color? just like randomly like showed up and started playing. You're like, uh, I just paid five bucks cover to go see this fucking epic band nice. well even there was there was kind of a bunch of post grunge local bands here that were awesome Candlebox no 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 I shouldn't have even used the word grunge no like I'm thinking like groups like Sage and Diamond Fist Wernie and Sky Crazy Mary I saw a lot of Critters Buggin Critters Buggin was another band and they were there was a great music scene that none of them got Hammerbox nationally famous yeah yeah. yeah. Seattle scene, yeah. Yeah, there was like a good music scene going on here. Yeah, there, the you'd see rock bands at the Color Box. Remember the Bohemian? That was usually like all reggae. Yeah. And then you had like Central, New Orleans, Larry's. Those were all pretty blues yeah, heavy. Larry's. Yeah, And some cover bands, what you said, yeah. hit it. It's popular, but that's not where the cool kids go. That's a bridge and tunnel club. Like oh, bridge and tunnel this club. This is like the tourist. Yeah, let, that's jargon, where the tourists really? come. And... and, and that's kind of what it was, and you'd see them if oh, you came only, down only here. Only people from Tacoma go to that club. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. People, people from, Fife. from Canton, Renton, and Fife and Federal Way that want to come up for the city for a big night on the town. Go to a really good club. Didn't know the, didn't know where the cool shit actually was. You come to Pioneer Square, and you could see them. It'd be like a lot of uh, people who just turned twenty-one, women on shaky heels, and guys, <laughs> yeah. their boyfriends Lots trying to look that. tough. Like a lot of want to be. Uh, Gangbangers and Jessies that couldn't hold their liquor. <laughs> so yeah, get a little bit of frat boy crowd in there too. Frat boy oh, crowd. Oh yeah, for she's lots of frat boy from the UW. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a story and uh, it's going somewhere. So okay, I got, with you. I got jury duty one time in Seattle, and jury duty in Seattle is kind of weird in that you're on jury duty for a week, and if you get selected to be on a jury trial you can go home after that case resolves. And so um, if you're not, though, you go in for jury selection. You don't get picked. You go back out in the lobby. You sit there. And so when I did it, I finally got selected for a jury on Wednesday, right? But before I got to be on that jury panel, I got to hear in jury selection three cases. And those three cases... And my case were all for assault cases in Pioneer Square. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. i tell you something. Fights, fights that broke out on a Friday or a Saturday night from said uh, boyfriends that were trying to act tough. And uh, here's a tip for all you kids at home. If you're going to get arrested in a bar fight, do it on a Monday through a Thursday. Because if you get arrested on Friday, the you're, courts are closed for the weekend. You're in jail all weekend. You're in jail all weekend. And then you got to have your... Um, and then they got to look at the cases, decide if they're going to press charges. And then if they do press charges, you got to go to your preliminary trial, your bail hearing. And so my guy 
in our case, uh, we found him not guilty, but not before he sat in jail for five days. <laughs> Plan your bar fights accordingly. Plan your yeah. bar fights yeah. accordingly. Good, good advice. Good yeah. advice. Yeah. Do you want to hear about my case? Of course I do. Of course we do. <laughs> so, 21-year-old guy and girl from Kent go to a club. Uh, guy is dancing with woman who is not his girlfriend. Woman gets mad, Uh-oh. starts yelling at him. Mm-hmm. In the courtroom, do they have like transcripts of what conspired <laughs> at the club? <laughs> no, they told the story. Okay. And you got okay. to hear it. All right. And so she's screaming at him in the club, and he goes, you know, fuck this. Let, let's go outside. And they're outside, and they're talking, and she's still screaming at him. And he goes, you know, we're all friends. I was just dancing with her. In fact, I'm tired. I'm going home. So if you want to ride with someone else, do it. If you want to come home with me, I'm leaving now. He pulls out his keys, and she yanks him out of his hand. Fuck you. You're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere until we've talked about this. And he goes, give me my keys back. Goes to grab for them. She's drunk on her shaky heels and pulls back. Uh-oh. And falls into a car, and a oh, cop shit. down the block sees it, and he sees a guy pushing a, a woman into her car. Into the car, he comes up. You're going to jail. She's like, No, no, no. He didn't push me. Uh, I just stumbled. He's like, Yeah, that's what they all say. Get in the oh, car. God. Oh wow. And that was it. Yeah. And then at court, he told his story. So she backed bu- it up. That's what I told the cops at the time. It wasn't an assault. I just fell on my shaky heels. Did you guys throw Not the book at him? No, we let him go. But he had, he had to spend high. jail, five days in jail for this? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because Friday. Just because a cop had to be, happened to be at the right place at the right time and saw what happened. Wrong place. It, it, wrong place. Wrong yeah. place. Yeah. And then Monday, he... They charged him Tuesday. He got his preliminary hearing, and they're like, well, no need for bail because your trial's going to be tomorrow morning. It's kind of scary, though, because that could... I don't want to take this podcast episode in a dark direction or whatever, but that could easily be one of those, like, Me Too moments, right? Like, like she's defending him, but all but basically because she's afraid that he's going to get pissed or whatever. There's actually more to it than what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, that's what the cop was thinking. Maybe the cop was like, okay, I actually see what's going on. Right? Yeah. That's a weird yeah. one. That is a weird one. So, yeah, poor not, bastard. Not, not, be, not, poor not bastard. a fun case to be a jury no. on. I've got to say, sound like not it. a fun case. I do remember coming out, like, we deliberated for, like, five minutes. It was, we were all in lockstep. We're like, this yeah. is just stupid kid stuff. He's already well, started. Well, if everybody's saying the same thing, you gotta, you got to gotta yeah. go with the narrative, right? It's yeah, like, well, exactly. What, am I going to call them all liars? Yeah. So we came out of the jury room, and then... Uh, he's been waiting there on thin ice the whole time, and he looked up at us, and we made eye contact, and I gave him a wink. No. And you saw him go, <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. That was cool. You didn't get fired from, <laughs> from jury for that? <laughs> Until the bailiff sees you winking at him, wow. and he's like, hey, yeah, lock him like, up. Don't, don't worry, guy, we got Contempt you. of court charges yeah. for yeah. Lou. Yeah, exactly. But Pioneer Square, it's also kind of like a... It's a hard scrabble neighborhood. It's kind of yeah. like the oh, pendulum yeah. swings both ways. There's yeah. all these yeah. beautiful historic brick buildings, but it's also where all of the missions and food kitchens stuff. and a, a lot, lot of yeah. beds for homeless people like at night. So vacancies of businesses that just couldn't make it through the pandemic or even closed down before. So yeah, it's yeah, like it's a tourist red. attraction, but it's also yeah. like the place where you want to keep your guard up if you're walking around it. Oh, night. dude, the other day. So I got to tell you this this week. Hit me. So I went into my, my office job, first time in a couple of years, because we had to do some, we had like a special meeting. So I come down, I have to bring my laptop, so I have my backpack, and I take the light rail down, right? Because I don't want to drive and pay for parking, so I take the light rail down. I get off at the Pioneer Square Station. The escalators and the stairs are completely sealed off. You can't go up the stairs or anything to get from... How the, do you get out of there? An elevator, this little tiny elevator, is the only way to only get up, way to, the to, get up to the street yes, level. Yes, yes. Woo, scary. And it and it takes forever. It's like a really slow elevator just to go up, like just one level up to the street. It takes forever. And I bet that is the cleanest, most sanitary, most <laughs> yeah, beautiful it, it, elevator. It doesn't you've smell ever like urine on. at all. No, yeah. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So anyway, so I'm like, oh great. So I get off right across the street. You know, all the tents are set up. Everything's shut down. All graffiti and stuff. But it was in the morning. That's when I got there, right? So everyone's like still sleeping, slumbering. So I go to my office. I come back 
to take the light rail back, and I'm suddenly remembering, like, oh, yeah, the stairs are all, like, blocked off. you got to take the elevator down. So I have my backpack on. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm pushing the elevator button to take it down, to take the light rail down. I can hear someone from across the street from one of the tents. Hey, backpack. Backpack, come here. Hey, they're talking to me. I got the backpack on. So I'm like pushing the button. Sweat starts going down my brow. Yeah. Hey, backpack. Hey, got backpack. A new, we got here. a new name for Stash Panda. He's backpack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Jeans, boy. I'm kind of looking out of the corner of my eyes. I'm pretty sure they start coming for me across the street. I don't, you know, that's what I'm seeing. So I'm just like, elevator, hurry up. Finally opens, I get on, catch light rail back. But it was a, it was a nerve-wracking 40 seconds. Dude, that, that was me. Just trying you to get your attention. Back, yeah, back. I was like, Brad, I feel so Brad, foolish now. You didn't, you didn't hear me. And I'm like, Brad, Brad, backpack, backpack. backpack. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Got, I got nothing. Nice. Anyway, so yeah, there's, it can be a little hard scrabble here. You got to yeah, for sure. keep your eyes. Well... <laughs> kind of nailed on where we at, except where we're at. Like, where we're at, at. Yeah, I mean, Brad told us all about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we're going to try and probably... What else you got here, yeah. Jeremy? Oh, I don't know. The stage is pretty cool. I would absolutely love to see another live band on this tiny-ass little stage. Like you said, the acoustics are kind of questionable or whatever, but that's kind of part of the charm. I think it's cool. Uh, some pretty neat murals up on the wall. Giant Sir Mix-a-Lot mural right ne- Giant next Sir to Mix-a-Lot us. Mural and I don't know who that is. I, I don't know who that is either. It looks like Tina Turner, but I, no. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's somebody else. Gina Bell? Tina Bell. Tina Bell? Who's Tina Bell? She's uh, like the proto-grunge. She's the, like the queen of grunge, uh, the Seattle. She's, she died early, so nobody knows how far she would have went. Huh. Nice, Tina Bell. One thank of the you, Lloyd Gregory, Pioneer yeah, Square you. historian. Uh, we need a little more details thank you, on L- that Lloyd. one. Well, I think that's now is a good time to wrap things up. You want to knock it on the head before from we go? Central. I want to uh, give a shout out to the house band that was Satan's Pilgrims, bringing us out from the break and bringing us into the show mm-hmm. and bringing us out. Everybody loves, I get really good feedback about the intro, outro music. They love the music. Nice. <laughs> they got a, they got I think it goes well now with their podcast. The pandemic so is kind of like mellowed out. They're, the Satan's Pilgrims are going to kick up their arena tour 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe? No? Maybe? I'm there. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah. Stay TBD. Tuned. All right. Well, All right, Brad, knock us on the head. Well, thank you for tuning in. Again, this is uh, uh, season two, and so we're going to continue our quest to find the oldest bar in Seattle. So stay tuned for the next few episodes, and uh, we're going to figure this out. Until then, peace out, and we will see you guys next time. All right, cheers, guys. Hey, guys. Cheers.